You are listening to The Real Movies Podcast. It's a podcast about documentaries. I'm Rob Carmack. I'm sitting here with John Rhodes. How's everybody out there? We are in episode number 10. We're 10 episodes wow. into this journey, John. That's incredible. Of watching documentaries and spending a lot of time talking about them. Yes. And I think... What, what better way to, to enter into the double digits of our podcast than to begin this this new season by talking <laughs> about the the twenty wait two thousand nine yes two, the two thousand nine is that 2000, right two thousand ten okay two thousand ten what better way <laughs> to enter this new season than by talking about the two thousand ten Banksy documentary Exit Through the Gift Shop. The film is the story of what happened when this guy tried to make a documentary about me, but he was uh, actually a lot more interesting than I am. So, um, no, the film is kind of about him. It's all about how the street art world, well, it highlights a guy named Terry Guetta, uh, who's a Frenchman that was kind of an odd documentarian. He documented everything in his life, and he, he got on... He got in with some of these street artists, these graffiti artists, and he followed them around for 10 years. And at, at some point, they realized that his documenting wasn't going anywhere, and they kind of flipped the switch on him and asked him to create his own art, and he does, and then there is kind of controversy within, is what he, do, is what he does... Um, actual art or is he just kind of at the right spot at the right time putting out something that is being gobbled up by the masses I love this documentary I'll be straight up I really do like this documentary because there's so many questions to be asked about this documentary this documentary will really make you think about what art is and what the value of art is and whether it's good or, you know, whether something is good or bad or whatever. Not only that, but is the documentary itself actually an artistic expression that was made up or created for you to ask these questions? Or was it simply a documentary about one specific guy? The key, like, Terry is definitely the key subject here. But sort of in the backdrop, the other key subject is this very enigmatic elusive British graffiti artist. I mean, really, the most, not even arguably so, just yeah. de definitively, the most famous graffiti artist in the world. And is, I mean, known as Banksy. Banksy. And I've, I've, been, I've been a fan of Banksy's for a long, long time. In fact, I've read his book uh, uh, called Wall and Peace. I... Uh, several years ago, I, I just sort of discovered this on the internet that, that he was out there doing that, and I became just very fascinated. In fact, I've always said that if I ever was going to get a tattoo, it would be a Banksy. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, okay. I don't know that that will ever actually happen, <laughs> but I love his art. I, lo I love his work. And so when I heard that he had done a documentary, I, I, this has been at the top of my instant queue for years, and I'm, I'm ashamed to say that until a week ago, I hadn't seen it. He does some incredible work, and I don't even think he showcases some of his best work within his own documentary, which, you know, I mean, that's that's cool, because he's, he's trying to stay true to his film and show uh, Terry, or Mr. Brainwash, um, much more than he showcases himself. He does a few things that are, you know, he shows who he is to kind of put himself in context, but he it, it is not, he does not make the documentary about him. No, in fact, yeah. I, I'll even say that 
I wanted it so badly to be about him that it took me a little while to get into the Terry storyline because I, I just I really wanted more Banksy. Like every time, even even though his face is always blurred and his voice is always altered by like digital technology yeah. or whatever. Every time Banksy is in the shot at all, or anytime Banksy's doing something, I was just a little bit more hooked in. I was just, I'm so fascinated with this guy's art. And it, it took me a little while to get into the Terry storyline, just because, in my opinion, Banksy's a much more fascinating subject. Which is, which is interesting, because yeah. the opening scene of the, of the film is Banksy telling us through, you know, through cover of blackness yeah. that he feels like Terry's a more interesting subject. And that's why the film ended up being about him. Well, and, and I think that... I. I I don't know. I, I really liked the Terry character. I mean, I thought I kind of got into this guy who has this weird quirk, um, it, almost kind of an obsessive compulsive need to videotape everything. Yeah, almost to, like and, sick voyeuristic. Yes, and to film everything. And so um, I really did buy into him pretty early in the film on you know who he was and what he was doing and how he was making this. Um, and then his passion for it. And, and I think that's something that this movie kind of wants you to see is that most of these guys that are doing this street art do it because they have a passion for it. You know, I mean, that kind of begs the question, what is street art and what is not? Like, some of the people that they highlight are, um, like, Shepard Ferry, who is uh, known in the street art world as Obey, and... He does just, he really just does different versions of kind of one iconic image of Andre the Giant. And he puts it in different shapes and forms. And it always, or not always, but many times it comes with the message of obey. And he, um, I think that they, they even say in the movie that there are over a million, he has, he has put this on over a million things across the, the globe. And his point is to get it out as much as possible. And so that's his art, which is, is crazy because I can't imagine how much money he has spent on paint, how much money he has spent on paper, because a lot of times he'll take it and turn it into like what's basically wallpaper and, and do giant mural, giant walls um, of this face. And it all gets torn down pretty quickly and eventually... Um, and so, like, showing these so showing these different artists, like Space Invader and all this kind of stuff was fascinating to me because I don't go out and tag things. I'm not a graffiti artist or anything like that. But there are definitely times where I'm driving down the road going, how did that person write their name there? Or how did they get there? I mean, this is a really crowded area that cars are coming by and somebody had to hang off of that and paint it. <laughs> And so it, it was kind of cool to get insight into some of that. I've, that's been my number one question. Every time I see a Banksy on like a wall or a, there, we were talking about before we started recording, there's there's one picture of <laughs> Banksy somehow was able to paint a construction worker on the bottom of a steamroller. Yes. Like how how did he have the time to do that? And and they show us the the, the movie. One of my favorite things about this film is that it shows you. Banksy's artistic process in a lot of ways. Like, it shows you how fast he... Like, he works on these elsewhere, and he just brings them, and he just tags it as quickly as possible, yeah. and he just walks away. Sometimes he'll have paper, and sometimes, sometimes it'll be paint on paint on paint. It'll be stencils. Yes. And so he has thought in his head what it's going to take to put this on. I mean, he has meticulously planned this out to say, I'm going to put this stencil here. 
I'm gonna paint it, then I'm gonna come with another stencil, I'm gonna paint it, then I'm gonna come with another stencil, and and we done. And it, I mean, in and out, five minutes, tops, you know, and it's just incredible. Yeah. Like, his, his pre-planning and his ability to just kind of put his art up no matter where it is. The... And, and some of these, I was so glad that they picked some of the pieces of art that they that they did because specifically they showed you how he did. There's this mutilated phone booth that he yeah. that he leaves somewhere in London. I've seen pictures of that so many times, and I've always wondered: a, how did he do that to the phone booth? And b, how did he just get it there without anybody seeing it? And they show you the answer to both those questions, and it's really interesting. And you, I mean, and that. I was afraid that might demystify me a little bit, like, to, to see sort of behind the curtain. I just found it more and more fascinating just yeah. to show you this guy is a genius. I mean, the things that he can do and the the planning that it must take to do something in a shop and then drive it to where you want it and then set it up without anybody saying anything to you about it and then just walking away. And I think that's that's one of the things that this this film wants to highlight is these guys that do this do not do it just willy-nilly they didn't find themselves waking up with a spray paint can going i don't know what to do with the spray paint can and i've got 20 minutes to kill let's go out and you know spray it somewhere i mean it was it it's very meticulously planned they have a point of view they have a message that they want to get across and instead of putting it on um you know canvas and trying to get you know get it in a gallery they just put it on a wall that everybody will see and let it stay there. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I, and I and I, I've already said I'm a fan of Banksy, and this just amplified that for me. Just to, to just to see the amount of time and thought that goes into each of these pieces is is amazing. Now, uh, real quick before we get any further, um, this kind of brings up a question of as street art as as art. Um, where do you think the line should be drawn between is it artistic or is it vandalism? That's a good question. And I, I know we were talking about this a little yeah. bit before. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say because it's, it, because it's just as soon as I put a, a description or a boundary around it, somebody will come along and prove me wrong. You know, like, and right. this, this is the very nature of art. Anytime you try and, and, and describe it, 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 it'll take like five minutes before someone doesn't meet your description and yet it still does qualify as art. Absolutely. And so it's like, I, I can't say for certain <clears throat> what makes it that way, but I know it when I see it. Like I can, right. if I'm looking at two different walls and I, I and one has graffiti and one has art, I'm usually not confused about which one is which, you know? Yeah. And I mean, there is a, I think there is a line between um, painting a guy on a, you know, what looks like a construction worker on the bottom of a steamroller and just writing your name or your gang's name, just throwing paint on a wall just to throw it on the wall. Yeah. Right? And there is a there is a thing that I've actually done some pretty extensive study on there because of a few debaters that I had in class. We actually use this as an argument um, talking about the broken windows theory. And it's a theory. Uh, it's it's It was first kind of introduced by James Wilson and George Keeling. And they say that anytime you have an urban area that looks run down and that includes you know they it includes things like broken windows but it also includes graffiti i mean very specifically includes includes graffiti when it looks like it's a bad place when it looks like nobody's taking care of it more and more crime actually takes place there some of this art is really really cool does some of this art cause 
some extra have have some role to play in increasing urban violence. And you know, I mean, you can't be you can't sit there and be like, yeah, Banksy causes people to shoot other people. That's not really what the kind of claim that I'm making. But what I am saying is that if it, you know if if you endorse street art and you want people to get out there and you want people to put their stuff up and tag buildings that don't belong to them and that don't aren't theirs are you in some way contributing to you know this this urban um, destruction in and of itself and i don't i mean i don't know the answer but it is something to it is something that people should at least be aware of yeah. um you know before if you get inspired by this movie and you're like, sweet, I want to go out and I want to put my art on all of these buildings that, you know, aren't mine, well, at that point, you're also subject to arrest and you're subject to uh, imprisonment and... Um, lots and lots of fines. Yeah, lots. I mean, it's it's not a cheap way to do art. There are a lot of bad things that can come of it and you could possibly be contributing to other external factors. My cousin, at that time, he was artistic, you know. He was putting mosaic together and trying to do uh, the game of uh, Space Invaders, recreating the character kind of way. So I filmed him. Teddy's cousin was Space Invader. A major player in an explosive new movement that would become known as street art. This hybrid form of graffiti was driven by a new generation using stickers, stencils, posters and sculptures to make their mark by any means necessary. Street art was poised to become the biggest countercultural movement since punk. I think the message of this film, it, it's, it's not even a statement so much as a question, I think. The question that the film raises is, what, what is art? You know, what, what does and does not constitute art? And, and also, as a connecting question is, what is the relationship between art and commercialism or, and, and commerce? Yeah. And what should the relationship between art and commerce be? Because to connect it to the, to the broken windows theory is in, in most urban settings, if somebody's out there just tagging randomly on the side of walls, it kind of it simulates the idea that the, the property value is going down. The thing about Banksy, the anomaly that is Banksy, is if Banksy tags something, it actually makes it yes, more valuable. You, you have gold right there. I mean, it's like Andy Warhol coming along and, and writing something on your face. Like, you, you just, you've become, you've made this thing a little bit more valuable that it's been, it's, it's been touched by Banksy. Yes. Banksy is, he is an A-list artist at this point. And the, the movie goes on to show that you can buy a Banksy at Sotheby's. Like, there are people yeah. who are paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to get pieces of art by an unnamed graffiti artist. Yeah, who doesn't want his face shown, who doesn't want his voice known, who wants to stay this enigma. Yeah. And so, you know, you gotta, one, trust that it really is a Banksy, because he's yeah. not coming out and claiming it, saying, you know, that is mine, or that is not mine. I mean, I guess he could claim it via a website or whatever, but, you know, he's not gonna appear in court no, say, he's not. No, he's not going to appear in court and be like, "You're trying to sell a Banksy, and it's not a Banksy," kind of thing. So, there's like some really harsh um, things there. So you got to be trusting that whatever you're buying and whatever you're spending five hundred thousand dollars on, 
Well, that's what, that's what appraisers are for, yeah. too. Because, I mean, you could you could fake a Van Gogh. That's you know, true. Van Gogh's not about to that's show true. up. And, yeah. and, and so you, ha- you have to have, like, appraisers who can look at the real thing and know the difference. But you're right. Like, Banksy's not about to come out and say, whoa, that's that's not me. My The, the rats that I draw have three whiskers, yeah. not four, or something to that effect. That's a good point. There's a part in the movie that I think is very intentional because I think Banksy is kind of... I I think he's kind of disapproving of this idea that street art becomes high-end art in the same way that, you know, like a Van Gogh would. I I mean, I don't know that he is wanting to say that 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 Sotheby's is the venue for street art, even though he's sold and, and made money and things from Sotheby's because we have this this lady who's an art collector named Wendy Asher in the movie and she is going through all of this she's going through all of the <clears throat> modern and I guess is it postmodern it's it's got to be postmodern artists that she has and she's talking about how she has Warhols and she has um you know this and that and she's like yeah and that's my Keith Haring and I don't even like Keith Haring and I'm like you spent how much money on a Keith Haring and you don't even like it. Yeah. And and I think it goes to show that these people are just buying this stuff up because it is the popular thing at the moment. I mean, these shows that they do, they do actual gallery shows and they do have statements, you know, and they, they do sell their work, but when when we get to Terry turning from Terry to Mr. Brainwash and we have people like Banksy and Shepard Fairey speaking out against his art and how he is just basically selling it for profit and just like we we come to this question of is the value of art only measured in dollars or is the value of art intrinsically within the piece of art itself yeah and clearly they think terry is a hack yes like that's that that's that tends to be the, the overarching thing in fact it's it's funny because he spent terry spent so much time with these these street artists that basically he he wants to become i want to do that too yes. and so it's almost like terry is the frankenstein monster that these artists have created just by virtue of letting him hang around and film them all all the time and, and, and so, yeah, he's got that sort of... So now, now I want to do it, too. But his thing is he just wants to be famous. Yes. Which is which is sort of what gets into... And we're almost... I think we're almost just about to bleed into the next subject matter, which is the idea of whether or not this is a hoax. Because it's almost like Terry is is the anti-Banksy. Because Banksy is so dead set on not being famous and on remaining anonymous and is, of saying something authentic and something against commerce. A lot of Banksy's art, if you look at it, is is very critical of commerce, and, yeah. and in fact, I want to talk about Disneyland in a minute. But okay. um, but there's there's um, some of his pieces are very harsh towards like things like McDonald's, and so you definitely, even though Banksy's making money at Sotheby's, there's also this, which is I I, I find deeply ironic because Banksy is so uber critical of of the machine of commerce and the idea of fame. On be, like the artist can become famous, right. and so the the idea that Terry becomes like this, like that he's trying so hard to be this A list artist just so he can be famous, it's almost it, like I said, he's almost he's the anti Banksy, which I think speaks to a lot of the things of maybe this is a hoax because like how perfect is it that they found the one guy who's the like the polar opposite of Banksy, right? You know, but I mean, you know, you see, 
like Banksy did a show in Los Angeles. I mean, he he does do gallery shows that people can come and buy his work and things like that. And so he understands that he can get his art out there. But at the same time, I don't think he was doing the self-promotion kind of thing like Terry was doing. He wasn't out there putting up billboards and posters and trying to use every you know, name that he has to promote his brand and do all of this self-promotion to where it's about me, 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 yeah. not um, here's my art. And his art is really, and he goes through and, and his art is really, he doesn't even do it. No, it's, it's completely derivative. And yeah, like, yeah, he, yeah, he hires a bunch of people that are really good at Photoshop and he says, um, I want the Andy Warhol, Marilyn Monroe wig on Spock. Yeah. And so they take a picture of Spock, scan it in, uh, kind of make it the same color palette as the Andy Warhol, Madonna picture, uh, Marilyn Monroe picture, and then put the Marilyn Monroe wig on him, slap a $28,000 price tag on it. Yeah. And I think that also speaks to, to the argument that maybe this is a hoax because they, they found – because, I mean, I, you, you can talk about some art – and you can have an argument over, well, maybe it is valuable. Well, maybe it's not. Maybe it doesn't speak to me. Maybe it speaks to something else. But they showed this guy just being, I mean, honestly, it, it's hacky. Like, yeah. the, the work he's doing is not original. It's not well thought out. It's just, I mean, it, it's a money grab. It's, I'm going to take two things that are recognizable. I'm going to mash them together. I'm going to try and make as much money as possible. That's uh, yeah. overtly is what he's doing. And so I, I feel like. It, I, I feel like that almost speaks to the hoaxness of it because it's so perfect that they found a guy who is this much of a hack, you know? But yet they, they have all of these people who are legitimately buying it up. Yes. And who are legitimately like, oh, I got a Mr. Brainwash. Oh, I, I have this. Oh, I, I was at that show. Yeah. And I think I think in some way um, Banksy is the Andy Kaufman of the art world. It's so weird that you said that because I had the exact same comparison running through my mind. I mean, Banksy understands if this is a hack, right? Like, this was masterfully done mm-hmm. on Banksy's part to be like, dude, joke is on you. Yeah. You dropped $28,000 on crap. Like, and and shame on you for doing so and I will pocket that money. Oh, right? totally. Yeah. yeah. It, it like, will go towards the fi- financing yes. of this film that we're making Absolutely. about how dumb you are. Yes. I mean, <laughs> You know, and, and the other thing that that I I kind of question whether Terry is is real or or not real. If you have an obsession of filming everything for ten years, you don't just put the camera down. Like you don't just stop filming stuff yeah. and and start making your own art. Like addictions don't work that way. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't just be like, oh <laughs> well, I'll just stop being addicted to this thing that I've been addicted to for more than ten years. Yeah. Like if I have filmed every single thing in my uh, in the you know my life for the last ten years from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed, you don't just drop the camera. That's true. Like like your addiction didn't stop. It, it is at that point a full blown you you have some kind of emotional connection that you cannot let a camera go because of the story that they told about how his you know. He wasn't there for his mother's passing, and he doesn't want to miss any big moments in his life anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's that was the one thing that I had a hard time going. He would not have just put the camera down. Circumstances had conspired to bring Terry face to face with the notoriously secretive artist. It was magic that uh, this person let me film. I felt like I had the peace. 
the world finished the puzzle. The question of whether or not Terry is a, a creation of Banksy or a, an exaggerated version of himself or whatever he is, yeah. the idea that maybe part of this movie is a hoax, do you think it takes away from, from this movie at all? Not at all. Not at all. As, as a matter of fact, I think it did more... I mean, all of the footage is real footage. Yeah. Okay? All of the footage that they are... Um, whether Terry shot it or didn't shoot it, somebody shot footage of these people creating street art. And and that in and of itself is documenting the movement. And I think that message gets across. is Here's our movement and here's what it is. Whether Terry was truly at, you know, Disney World... Um, Somebody was at Disney World. You know, if if this became about if Mr. Brainwash is a hoax, then the documenting is on the audience. Mm-hmm. Like the Andy Kaufman joke is on the audience. And so the footage of people just eating it up saying, Oh yeah, oh I love this. Oh Mr. Brainwash is awesome. Oh, Mr. Brainwash is the next big thing. Those reactions are true. Those reactions are real. It is a, it is still a true documentary. Like, whether or not Terry is an actor or whether he is um, just somebody that is kind of crazy and and is so, you know, narcissistic and, and all about him and, and whatnot, I don't think it matters. I think the message comes across and the reactions of all of the other people are real. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. In fact, I, I shared with you before... I, I can't, because I heard so much about this movie, like maybe it's a hoax, maybe it's not. The first twenty minutes, I feel like I need to go back and watch it again because I, I allowed that to get into my head before I started watching it, and so I started trying to like decipher what was hoax and what was real because I knew some of it had to be real. But and and so I spent so much time trying to like sift out real from not real that it took me 20 minutes just to get out of my own head and just enjoy the film. And I, I do need to go back and do that because once I finally decided to let go and just enjoy it and take it at face value and then decipher it later, I started really enjoying the movie a lot more. And also, it, that that's about the marker. That's a, on on the timestamp. That's about when Banksy starts showing up and that he yeah. becomes a key figure. And, and like I said before, I feel like... The, the Banksy stuff is so interesting that I, I didn't even... And I knew that that was real because I'm familiar enough with this stuff. Like, I know I knew that the phone booth thing had happened and the, the, the wall and, I guess, yeah. Israel had yeah. you know, had happened. And so um, and so that sort of got me out of my own head and allowed me to enjoy it. So if you're, if you're thinking... Of, if you haven't watched the movie yet and you're listening to this podcast, when you go to watch the movie, my advice is... Just take it at face value at first, and then try and if if you want to filter later, then do that. Just take take the movie as as what it um, makes itself out to be. Yeah, I don't think anything. I think it actually raises it, it. It raises new questions of what do you think is truly art, and is this a a meta documentary on the art world? Because documentary is an art form in and of itself. Yeah, and if this was. You know, if if this whole thing is kind of a you know a magic puppet of Banksy, and this whole Mister Brainwash character is Banksy's invention, that that makes it so much deeper to actually ponder: am I am I the joke for buying into this kind of art? Yeah, yeah. Is is the joke now on me? Which is you know, which is why I think he's very Andy Kaufman. Oh, very. Yeah, and it's I, I love that you're making that comparison because. Uh, that that was how Andy Kaufman operated. Yeah. Like it, it didn't matter if everybody else was in on the joke. He was. It was. It was his yeah. joke, it, or it was his 
he was commenting on something, and whether or not you got it or you were just the butt of it, it made no difference to yeah. him. And I think Banksy's the same way. And I don't think Banksy, Banksy is malicious about it. I I think he has genuine opinions about what art is and isn't. And I think he's using these facades and these images to to raise those questions and, and yeah. to kind of point that out. And we can either choose to join in that thought process or we can choose to to be the puppets. You know, we, yeah. we can choose to pay $28,000 for a photoshopped picture of Madonna, you know, yeah. and, and and Banksy has very obviously has very clear ideas about what is and isn't right on on that term on those yeah. terms. So, um, really, really interesting stuff. It, have you ever have you ever looked at something and thought I I like that so much I will pay a lot of money for it? I don't have that much money, yeah, so I don't either. so no. I, yeah. Although I have, I mean, the closest I've come is looking at a Banksy and thinking I, I would probably get that as a tattoo. I, I feel like yeah. I, I feel like that's that's paying not in money but in like real estate on my yeah. body. Yes, and and so that's and I've obviously I've not actually done that, but but if I did, you know, if if I were to do that, it would definitely be a Banksy. I I respond. I've always responded very strongly to Banksy's work. And I've also, I'm, I'm a fan of Van Gogh also. Uh-huh. And so I, I look at a Van, I mean, obviously I'm never ever going to be able to afford, afford a Van Gogh. Yeah. I've got, I have a book of Van Gogh paintings. That's as close as I'm ever okay. going to get. But, um, but I understand why people have chosen to pay that much. If, if I could afford it, I don't know. Actually, I don't know that I would. But if you know, I understand how people who can, who can afford that kind of thing would choose to buy that kind of art. Right. I don't I, understand the impulse to buy it and then put it in your bathroom, or you know yeah. what I mean, and to not put it in a beautiful place. Of well, I mean that that lady that was that Wendy Asher lady that was talking about how you know she has all this stuff, and she was like, "Yeah, I bought a Warhol, and I think it's hanging in my closet now." I mean, that made me mad. Yeah, because I like Warhol. I mean, you know, she. There, there are definitely people who buy things just to tell their friends they have them. Yeah, and I, I think that is, I think that is kind of crappy. Um, I think that when you purchase something like art, you legitimately are buying it because you should love it. Um, you, sh- part of the value of it should be that you get enjoyment out of looking at that thing every day. Yeah. And you have you own something that that brings you some joy every single time you see it, not as a bragging right to your friends. I do think that the value of art should be within the art itself and not necessarily within the dollar amount that yeah. it's paid for. And I think it's really weird to have to talk about this is a good piece of art or a bad piece of art and People will only respect it if they know how much it costs. Yeah, because yeah. I, I, and, and some of the and I think a good comparison point is music. Like I'm I'm a big music lover. We've talked about like right. Pearl Jam on, on here, obviously, but um, but the, I mean nobody nobody buys nobody downloads an album on iTunes so that they can have said that they owned it. You know what I mean? Like that's the, the the great thing about the digital music era is that it removes the pretense from from owning that and I, I own a record player and and I have a handful of vinyls, but there are people out there who have vinyls for the same reason that people have Andy Warhol, so that they can well, I have the white album on vinyl. And and but they don't enjoy it. The the good thing about the digital movement is the only reason you would own it is that you would enjoy it. Absolutely. And so I, there's nothing there to see. Exactly. There's nothing there's no it is it is 
zeros and ones. Yeah, it's it, it it removes the pretense from the owning of the thing, and so the, then but you'll never get that with with physical art. Right. I guess maybe you will because I I own some prints of like Van Gogh or right. Picasso. I mean they're they're worth ten dollars at Target. <laughs> yeah, but but I like looking at them and I hung them in my office and and so. And, and to me, it's almost like I'm more of an art lover because I'm willing to hang a fake on my wall just so I can look at it yeah. than than some pretentious, you know, jackwad yeah. who who would buy an Andy Warhol and stash it in their basement. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I, I do think that like art has value to it way beyond the dollar amount, and we cannot, we should not measure it only in dollars. Let's talk about positives and negatives. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I really like this movie a lot. I, I, I've mentioned before, big fan of Banksy. I love his work. My, one of my biggest positives was it just showed how Banksy works. Like, this is something I've always wondered about because he's so enigmatic and mysterious. And just to sort of lift the curtain, not all the way, but just enough so that I get a sense of, I get a little bit more behind the scenes. One of my favorite scenes in the movie, and I alluded to it earlier, is when Banksy and Terry go to Disneyland. Banksy's in L.A. for for a show. He's doing his Elephant in the Room exhibit in L.A., which is very well known. And and so he they take a day off. It's the anniversary of September 11th. <laughs> and because Banksy is nothing if not well-timed. Yep. And so they go to Disney World, or Disneyland in, in Los Angeles, and and they go to this and it's so funny because I was there like a year ago so I have a very clear memory of exactly where they are when this takes place and Banksy just and this is how he, he's just completely fearless he just steps over this fencing area and sets up what looks like um, a detainee of Guantanamo yeah. Bay with a black bag over his head and an orange jumpsuit. And he puts it right along the path of one of the most popular roller coasters in the park. <laughs> and Terry's filming, and Banksy just walks away. And and, um, and what's great is they get detained by, by yes. Disneyland security. And they're talking about how afraid they were. Like, Terry is so freaked out. Banksy has done art in Israel, in London, where there's lots and lots of cops but it's Disneyland that really gets them intimidated. Yes. <laughs> like they're yes. they're really afraid of what's going to happen. Or we're just going to disappear and never be seen again. And Banksy's talking. And Terry gets detained, and Banksy gets off scot free. And, and he he says he went and rode something. And, yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, or some other. Yeah. And he said, and I couldn't find Terry, and so then I went and rode something else. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and so Terry ended up, I guess, uh, supposedly according to the narrative of the film, he ended up being detained by Disneyland security for four hours. It's it's crazy. Yeah. And and what was even more crazy is that if if this is truly what happened or if it's if this is even just the the story of the person that did this whether it's Terry or not Terry. Yeah. Um because somebody but, did. That, yeah, that, that, somebody, that yeah, definitely happened. It happened. I mean there's footage of it. It you know I can't imagine sitting there thinking I mean he was like everything that incriminates me is on this this camera yeah. in front of me. And they are not looking at the camera. They're just and, and I'm just lying to them for four hours. And he keeps saying, and, yeah, I deleted all the pictures. Yes. No, he didn't. Yeah, no, <laughs> they're not looking Nobody at the sits camera. there and goes, Well, maybe let's just look through the camera. Like they don't touch it. It's crazy. That's amazing. So So yeah, that was one of my favorite scenes in the movie. And I also I, I enjoyed it. one of the, the thing that stayed with me about the movie was just the question of what's art? Like is 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 someone doing something that's hacky is it still considered art if anybody likes it? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just because what Mr. Brainwash is doing is bad and unoriginal, and um, Banksy has some very specific words that describe Terry's work right. as well, and and nobody appreciates the art, 
somebody's paying for it though and so the question becomes is it is it bad or is it is it just, is it like most other kinds of art is it just in the eye of the beholder because i've had this conversation with different people about christian music right because christian music in my opinion is 95% garbage i think it's completely derivative i think it's loaded down with clichés i think mean, it just sounds like something that was thrown away 10 years ago and then dug out of the trash and, but but it makes millions and millions of dollars every year from teenagers and church people who that's what they that's what they go pay for. And so the question of just because I think it's bad art does it mean it has no value, or is it just because, or, or does it just mean that I'm not connecting with it like it was meant to be connected with? And right. It doesn't mean it's not derivative or cheap. It just means that somebody is still going to connect with it. Yeah, last night my my wife kind of asked me this question about you know why is why did why do they not like Mr. Brainwash? And I said. Well, Banksy is, I guess, kind of like the Beatles. And Mr. Brainwash is basically just Justin Bieber. <laughs> um, he, he's new on the scene. He came out. He, you know, you know, his stuff is really, like, manufactured and put together. And, you know, he is, uh, he is just this, this made-up kind of thing. And her reply to me was, well, you didn't see the Justin Bieber documentary. Which touche, Angie. Which I did. <laughs> by oh, the way. Um, and so uh, yeah, because my kid, I came home one day, my kids were watching, it, and I was like, "This is actually weird. I'm gonna watch a documentary with my children. The first documentary I watch with my children is the Justin Bieber documentary. You, you gotta start somewhere. I know, right? So anyway, uh, but yeah, no, but uh, I mean, it's it is hard to to say if somebody likes Mr. Brainwash, then. Although yes, they may be brainwashed. It, it it has some value to it, I guess. Or yeah, does yeah. does economic value yes. mean it has artistic value? Yes, I, I think that's really that's the question you have to answer. That's why I love this documentary so much. Is because you have these questions that loom over that, and you have to make a decision on what you think is or is not, you know, art. Yeah. Or is is or is not something. You know, I mean, the value of a person's creativity um, is your passion worth enough? Because I mean, take for example, Shepard Fairey. Right, what he does is one image a million times. So, is he an artist? I mean, yes, he's done some other things, but it's really just the repetition of this one image over and over and over. And he got that image, scanned it in, and then just kind of uses it so many times that you see it so often. Yeah, and. So is it his process that is art or is it his product that is art? Because I can't sit there and say that, well, you know, Shepard Fairey's Andre the Giant picture is so much better than Elvis holding a Fisher-Price, you know... Toy gun. Toy gun. Yeah. So, I mean, but I do think... I, I think maybe you can call his process and what he's dedicated to and his passion has become his art. Yeah, more so than just his, you know, the the thing that he posts around the world. Yeah, and I think there's always been that tension between between commerce and art, and I think that's the that's the difference between critics and and the public at large. You have because a lot of times, and you see this constantly in movies, you have you have a movie that is completely just annihilated critically. Like on Rotten Tomatoes, a movie can get like a ten, and it can still gross two hundred million dollars. Yeah. You know, I mean, Michael Bay movies is a is a good example of that. Most people don't consider those movies art, but they're wildly successful. And I think what's great about this movie is you have the artists themselves, specifically Banksy and Shepard Fairey, 
asking questions about uh, these kind of questions, like what is what is the overlapping connection between art and commerce, and and basically. It, you have the artists themselves asking these questions and pointing out that they they don't have they don't value their own work in the same way as the world of commerce. The, com, the world of commerce values the world of art differently than the artists themselves do, and that and you have that tension. And I, I think that's a really valuable question. I feel like Banksy himself is, is asking that question. Even the title of the movie, yeah. "Exit Through the Gift Shop," alludes to that tension. Yes. you know the idea of. You know, you have this experiential thing with with a, a work of art, but then you also have, and of course, if you've ever been to a Disney theme park, you know every single ride exits through a gift shop, and right. so you've had this very emotional, fun experience. But then we also have this thing we want to sell you, and so I think I think that's the tension that this film sets up, and I love it. I really, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. So uh, I, I did too. Any negatives? Um, for me, I, and I mentioned before, it, it really the negative was in my own head. Was that it took me a little while to to remove the con, the question about the con for me and just enjoy it at face value. So that's not really a negative about the movie itself. Just really my own um, the, the, whatever I brought with me into the film. Um, there, there. My only other negative would have been it. There are some points where it feels a little too constructed. There are some points that it, it's almost like they're trying a little too hard to make us believe, especially yeah. in the last twenty minutes, that Banksy really doesn't like this Mister Brainwash guy. It's and I mean Banksy's not an actor. He's he's a and so some of the times when he's talking about his impressions of Mister Brainwash, it almost felt a little rehearsed because I know like ba- Banksy's not he's not, he's not a performer, yeah. you know. And, and I think some of this lies in uh, if if Terry's real, he he is a friend of Banksy. Yes, I think that they consider themselves friends. But how do you tell a friend that what they do sucks? You make a right? documentary. And yeah, you, you might. Yes, <laughs> you make a documentary about it and tell everybody in the world it sucks. That's right. But I mean, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that he if if he's real and he got these. He got these two things, like, you know, he got Shepard Fairey's endorsement and Banksy's endorsement to make his show. Um, he did that through the friendship he built with them and the kind of the – what they felt he earned over the years of them – of him helping them out. If if he is real, like, sometimes you do. You vouch for a friend. I mean, plenty of people vouch for friends with a job or with something and say, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a letter of recommendation when you may not necessarily – really think they deserve that letter of recommendation or whatever, you know? Um, And so I think that if that is true, that's kind of the reason that it got caught. But then then once they saw the product of it, they're like, oh my gosh, what did I just put my... What did I just put my name on? Yeah, for real. (laughs) You know, that kind of thing. Um, But... and, And my only negative is this duality of is it a controversy or is it not? Because if it isn't, then then there's certain points that they're not trying to make. But if it is, then there are certain points that they're trying to make. And and so me just in my head trying to wrap around what is the meaning that is here, that's the only negative that I have, but it's not even the bad of a negative. I still enjoy kind of thinking about all of the things that come up with the movie. Mm-hmm. And so whether or not that negative is, is true, uh, who knows. So as far as ratings go? I'm going to give it a 9. I'm giving it a 9.5. Yeah, you are. Look at you. I loved it. The only, that small negative was my, like, that small, like, is he real or is he not is the only .5 deduction that I got. Totally. I'm I'm, I'm right there with you. I I loved this movie. I I love this movie so much that 
I've now watched it three times and I still like it. I was going to so say, I'll, I will absolutely I'll watch, watch it again. again. Yeah. yeah. And and this is an important, if you're interested in art at all or the question of art, I've, I've read some books about, you know, the journey of the artist or, or these kinds of questions. This is an important film. Whether whether Terry is real, again, it's, it's inconsequential. Yeah. The, the question of what makes art art and what makes commercialism connected with art these questions matter to yeah. people who are in art or who are curious about it. So if you are in any way interested in, in the artistic process or these existential questions surrounding art, you have to watch this movie. It's, it's, it's not even an option. And, and we last two weeks ago, like we, the last two weeks decided to do kind of a duality of, of documentaries. We did, we did the interrupters followed by the wild and wonderful whites of West Virginia as kind of a comparison to each other. They were, they had similar um, tones. So this this next week we are going to do the art of the steel, which uh, is another documentary about the art world. And so if you like art, then stay tuned and, and listen next week as well because we're going to kind of we're going to kind of follow this up with another art documentary. But then we're not going to do three in a row. I promise. No, no, we're we're yeah. shifting gears a lot yeah. after after that. But uh, you, you can like us on Facebook, which we highly encourage you to do so, Real Movies uh, Podcast. Also, we have a Twitter. Yes, at Real Movies. And a Tumblr. Uh, yes, realmoviespodcast.tumblr.com. Awesome. So. Uh, you want to tell people how you can how they can find you? Yeah, I mean, don'tputmetosleep.blogspot.com and how they get a hold of you. Uh, my, my blog is robcarmack.blogspot.com. Also, I'm on another podcast called Around the Wicket, which is more about spot, sports and pop culture. Um, and so that's that's pretty much it. and oh and our next oh you already said our next documentary yeah. is Art of the Steel yes cool all right well, I think that's pretty much it for us wonderful see you next week see you next week.